Yeah. All right. Here we go. So today we are concluding our four-part series on Bottomless Cup, uh, which is based on Scripture, of course, and based on this book that, uh, that I published back in 2019. And, uh, and the book is based specifically on this passage of Scripture, Matthew 11, 28 to 30, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, in week one, we focused on the, the phrase, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And we talked about how God is a God of invitation. He wants us to come near. And he comes seeking us. And God, God wants us to find him because he is the source of our life and healing and hope, right? Uh, in week two, we focused on, I will give you rest. We talked about how Jesus wants us to find in him rest from religion and rest from the troubles of life. He is the place we can go to get our hearts restored and our lives healed. Uh, and last week we focused on Jesus saying, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. We talked about how that's saying Jesus wants us to be his disciples, his students, his learners, to come and learn his way of doing life. Because if we do it right, if we do life the way it was meant to be done, we don't become weary and burdened and heavy and burnt out, right? So today we want to focus on the phrase, and you will find rest for your souls. You see, in, the, in our passage, in this passage we just read, um, there are two kinds of rest that I think we find here. Because the first kind is, is a gift of grace for the beat up, the weary, and the broken. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Right? It's a gift, a gift of grace. We don't earn it. We don't do anything to, 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 um, you know, to, to gain it. It is grace, and grace is a free gift. But later in the passage, he says that we are to take his yoke upon us. We learned last week what that meant. Go back and watch that message if you, if you don't know, if you missed it. Take his yoke upon us and learn from him and you will find rest. That's different, isn't it? I will give you rest. The second one is you will find rest for your soul. This kind of rest isn't something you're given, it's something you discover. You will find it. You will discover it. It's about learning how life was meant to be lived. And when we live it that way, we discover that life is less difficult 
and more fulfilling and rewarding than we ever thought it could be. It's about living differently and therefore having different results. Right? Living differently, bringing different results. Doesn't mean that God loves us more. Because, I don't know if you know this, but there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make Him love you less. God's love is on volume 10 all the time. He never turns it down. Right? There's nothing you can do. Religion tells us that you need to do all kinds of things and jump through all kinds of hoops before God will love you. But that's not what the Scripture says. His love is on 100% all the time. Right? But it's about us living with, living with less heaviness. Either living with heaviness or lightness, depending on how we live this thing, right? Heaviness or lightness. Feeling like a victim or a victor, right? Living in frustration and despair or in peace and joy. Now, if you have to choose, you're going to choose the, right, the, the lightness and the victor and the peace and joy. We're going to choose that, right? Well, if there's a way of life we can live that gets us there, then we want to walk that path, right? And that's what Jesus says. Come to me and learn and you will find rest for your soul. And so in, in, in breaking this down this morning, there's two kinds of, two, two aspects or principles about rest that I want us to look at. The first is Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest. Now in a, in a room like this, we have a lot of different levels of understanding and experience of what Sabbath means. Sabbath or Shabbat is a Hebrew word that literally means rest, okay? And Sabbath has its beginning in the creation story, which says that when God finished creation, He rested on the seventh day. And then when God was giving Moses the big ten, right, the ten commandments, He included Sabbath in the big ten, and here's what he says. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath, is a Shabbat, is a rest to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter or male or female servant or your animals or any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath, blessed the rest, and made it holy. Rest is a holy thing, right? Isn't that cool? Well, what I believe this tells us, this connection from the creation 
to the Ten Commandments to us. What I believe this tells us is that the principle of rest and of Sabbath is built into the fabric of the universe. God made the universe to need rest. Farmers will tell you fields actually need an annual season of rest and a regular season every few years to give to let the, the field go fallow and let it just go wild for a year so that it gets rest. The world is made that way and so are we. We are made to live in rhythms of work and rest. Work and rest. In the 90s, there were a number of studies that showed a, a marked rise in mental disorders such as anxiety, depression, and addiction. And these, these studies have only gotten worse since then, if you can imagine. And a big contributor to this is that humans are not made for 24-7 busy lives. We are just not. Not only were we already in the 90s when we got there living driven lives, but then 2007 came along. We got these things called smartphones, and then we started carrying the World Wide Web in our pocket. And, and, and all of a sudden, we had access to be able to work anywhere, right? And we, we, uh, we had access to like 20 different social media apps and communication apps and all this stuff. And we actually have, in many ways in our culture, lost the ability to unplug and rest, We are not made for that. God not only told people, um, as, as, as we referenced in the Ten Commandments, not only told people to take one day of rest away from work, He also gave, the, in, in the Old Testament, in the law, He gave the Jewish people three week-long festivals through the year where they would not work at all, they would get together with family. They would feast and party. They were told to do this, to feast and party and enjoy worshiping God together, right? Vacation, God invented vacations long before the union movement ever thought of it, right? But... There are seasons, of course, where we have to work extra hard to get a project done, and we have to put in the extra hours or whatever. There are seasons like that, but folks, seasons are meant to come to an end. Seasons are meant to give way to other seasons, and we're not meant to live a lifestyle of busyness. Sabbath, as, as God said to Moses, Sabbath was the seventh day, the day we call Saturday, you may ask, why, why do we as Christians tend to focus on Sunday as a day of worship and rest as opposed to Saturday, right? The early church began very early, even while the Bible was still being written, because it, it talks about this in the New Testament. The, the, um, 
the, the early church began to meet on the first day of the week because it was a weekly celebration of the day that Jesus rose from the dead. A weekly celebration of the resurrection of Christ. And, and so that became the rhythm of the church. And even in the New Testament, in Romans 14, we find Paul writes about how people were arguing over which day to take as Sabbath. Saturday or Sunday or some other day or no day or, you know, they, they were having these debates. And, um, and Paul basically says, it's not the day that matters, it's the principle that matters, right? He says this, one person considers one day more sacred than another, another person considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind, whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Right? It's the principle that matters. Sabbath is not just about being really good at following religious rules. Jesus, here's the deal. Here's how I think we tend to see God and us. God is primarily a rule maker and we are primarily rule breakers. Right? And, and God spends his time mad at us, and we spend our time trying to fix it with God. Isn't that kind of how we see this whole thing? But here's, here's, I believe, what the Bible tells us it really is like. God is a life giver. And he knows how life works because he made it. He knows how we work because he made us. And he says to us, here is how you will be blessed and know peace and abundance and life and good things. Do this. And we say, ah, ah, I think we'll do this. Right? And he says, well, you're, you're going to have a rough time. It's going to be hard. Right? But God is always pursuing us, saying, no, this, this is the path. This is the path. Here's where you'll find life. It's not about a rule maker and a rule breaker as a life giver and people who abandon life and do things our own way. God said sin brings death. Why? Not because God is angry and he's going to kill us. Because we unplugged ourselves from the source of life. Right? And so Sabbath, the, the rhythm of Sabbath is not about rule keeping. In fact, Jesus got in trouble a lot when he was walking on the earth with the religious people who said, you're breaking the Sabbath. Your, your disciples are breaking the Sabbath. You're healing on the Sabbath. They're not washing their hands the way they're supposed to. They're, you know, they're, they're picking grain on the Sabbath. They're, you know, like all these things, right? And Jesus said this, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Right? The things God set in place were to give us life, not so that we would become slaves to them. He knows we need it, and so he put it in place. This pattern is meant to be weaved 
into our lives. We need the Sabbath to restore our body, soul, and spirit. We need the physical break and rest. We need some recreation time to do some things we just love to do because that feeds our soul. And we need to spend some time with our Savior, our Creator, because it restores our spirit, right? And it's important that we do these things each week, that we carve out time. You're not, let me tell you this, you're not going to find time, you're not going to find time, it's a, it's a matter of make it a priority and making time to unplug and be with Jesus, right? And wherever that fits, however that works in the rhythm of your week, we can't all do Sunday. I work Sundays, Right? Friday is my Sabbath day. If you call me or you email me or you text me on a, on a Friday, you might not get a hold of me because I'm practicing Sabbath. Now, if it's an emergency, I'll get back to you, right? But, but I, I have had to learn to be disciplined about practicing Sabbath because my, I know my body and soul and spirit need it, Right? And so it's not about, sh should you do work on Sunday? It's about, how are you living the principle of Sabbath rhythms in your life to restore? Just before we switch to the, the, other, the other aspect of rest, I, wanna, I want us to read that, our passage, right, from Matthew 11 in the Message Bible. Now, I don't, I don't recommend the Message Bible for study, because it's not an actual translation, it's a paraphrase. One person said, I'm going to put the Bible in my own words. But it is a refreshing look at, at the Scriptures, and it's a great thing to use devotionally. So, so let's, oh, and here's a book I would recommend, um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Besides the Scriptures and my book, um, uh, I, would, I would recommend this book by John Mark Comer um, if you want to dig more into this idea of Sabbath. But let's listen to these words. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that beautifully put? Right? Second aspect of rest we just have a few more minutes here, but uh, the second aspect of rest that I want to touch on is promised land rest. Learning to work from rest. Learning to live and work from rest. Jesus says, when he, when he says, take my yoke and learn from me and you will find rest for your soul. 
seems like a paradox to, to talk about working from rest. Kind of, kind of the mind bender a little bit, isn't it? Working from rest. God's idea of rest is not just that we don't do anything. He's not promoting laziness. But he wants us to rather work, rather than work from a place of frantic desperation and drivenness, which we tend so much to in our culture, that we work from a place of peace and abundance and joy. It has to do with what motivates us. Are we doing to fill our soul or are we doing from a full soul? Right? It's a big difference. Are we doing to fill our soul or are we doing from a full soul? Let me... Give me, give me the... A moment just to read a, a quote from, from my book here. Um, it, I, I reference Isaiah 58, a passage from there, and then I say, Isaiah says that if we honor the Sabbath, we will find our joy in the Lord. We are so desperate for joy as humans we often look in all the same places that the world does. We think that if we just pour ourselves into our career, we'll find joy in it. Or if we make family our top priority and run our kids to every activity in town, we'll find joy in them. Maybe if we make enough money, we'll finally be joyful enough to appreciate our lives. Perhaps if we go to enough church meetings, and work really hard for God, we'll find joy in that. But we weren't made to find joy in any of those things because they don't inherently contain lasting joy. Only our Creator, the source of true joy, contains what our soul longs for. Jesus saw people in His day doing the same thing and said, I want to show you a new way. This new way involved learning to abide in a place of rest, serving and living from that place of rest, and in doing so, finding a sustainable strength that would not only prove more effective, but ensure longevity of effectiveness. I want to share... As we close, there's a, there's a couple images, a couple, what do you call these? I don't know. Pictures. I want to I wanna show you. <clears throat> I want to talk about the cycle of grief and the cycle of grace. The way that we often tend to, as individuals, live our lives in this world and the way that we're meant to. Okay, and I, I hope you grab hold of this today. That we 
we often grow up, I would say all of us grow up with some level of of emptiness in our soul, of, of a desperate need for approval and acceptance that we don't necessarily find in the relationships around us and the things around us. And we, trans, we translate that into our relationship with God, believing that we need to achieve in order for Him to give acceptance and love and approval to us. And so we work really hard and try really hard to build some kind of identity in this world, some, t- some kind of sense of worth in this world. And, and if we work hard enough and we try hard enough, we, we, we make our way to some semblance of fragile identity and to, to build that and to maintain that, oftentimes it leads us to drivenness. Jumping through hoops, doing things to please people, doing things to please our own conscience, doing things to please you know, what God, we think God wants from us or our parents or whatever it is. We just, it, it brings us to a place of drivenness. And somehow, some way, eventually, maybe we get to some bit of a sense of acceptance. Those, those fortunate of us in our culture and in our world get to a place of feeling like there's, we're accepted and loved and welcomed. But the moment that we fail, the moment that we blow it, the moment that we fall on our face again, we, we are back in this place of of emptiness and a need to earn ourselves our way back into that place of acceptance. And it becomes this cycle that we just keep doing. Drivenness, trying to get to acceptance, failure, and we're just, we just live this cycle of grief. But the scriptures tell us that when we come to Christ, when we, when we surrender our lives to Him, He actually, the Father, embraces us and adopts us and we become part of His family. The Bible says that we find ourselves in Christ. That means when the Father looks at us, He sees Jesus. Because we are in Christ. And that doesn't change from day to day. That doesn't change when you've got a good day and a bad day. It doesn't change when you feel like you're being a good, a good follower of Jesus, a good Christian, and when you're a bad one, right? It, it doesn't change. We feel like it changes. It doesn't change, folks. Are you with me? It doesn't change. We are in Christ. Remember when Jesus came up out of the water from his baptism? And the Bible says, two Gospels describe this, that the heavens, it was like the heavens were torn open. There was a sound like the heavens were torn open. And there was a voice from the Father that said, 
This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This was day one of Jesus' ministry. He hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't healed anyone. He didn't change water to wine. He didn't walk on the water. He didn't, he didn't do anything for the Father yet, but the Father spoke over him and said, this is my beloved Son. I'm so pleased in him. Each of my three children, when I held them the first day, cannot describe to you the love that I felt as their father. And they had done nothing but poop. They hadn't done a thing. They didn't, they didn't clean the room. Didn't do a thing. But I loved them with a love that I cannot describe. You need to know that your father in heaven, when you're adopted as his child, you are loved. You are so loved. There is nothing you can do that will change that. When we understand that I am loved and accepted by the father, then I just begin to serve him out of thankfulness that I get to be his child. I get to be part of his family. I get, to, I get to partner with him and do stuff, right? I get to hold the light while God does stuff, you know? And, and, and out of that comes a sense of identity. I'm his. I belong to him. And then he, he provides Everything I need to accomplish the things that he calls me to do. And I actually, I actually get to win at some stuff. And that's awesome. And it just, it just, you know, when that happens, then I just hear his voice again saying, you're my beloved child. Wow, way to go. And, and, and there's this positive, this cycle of grace, this cycle of life that happens. But even though we know Jesus as our Savior, I would suggest to you that that first cycle its where we live when we're trapped in religion. Where we feel like we need to do things to win brownie points with God so He'll like us again. It's slavery to rules and it's not the gospel. It's not the good news. The good news is, come to Christ, come to Jesus, and you are forgiven, you are given a new start, you come into a family where you are loved and you are accepted, not because of what you've done or haven't done, but because of simply the Father's delight in you. And out of that, we get to live with him and serve him. And we can actually work from a place of fullness, knowing whose we are and who we are and all that we have in him. And we get to live for him from there. And it makes all the difference from walking this 
driven treadmill of doing, doing, doing so that somehow maybe God will like me a little bit, right? So today, Karen, come on up to the keyboard. Um, let's stand. This has been a, a, a really great journey uh, the last four weeks going through this series. By the way, I'm, I'm, do, I'm taking a vacation week this week. I'll be away next Sunday. And then the week after, we're starting another series about future-proofing your life. We'll, uh, we'll, it's going to be, uh, we're talking about what, what's, what's coming, right, for the world. What's coming? We're going to talk about that. But today, I want to invite you to hear Jesus' words one more time. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy my burden is light. And I want to encourage us as we hear his words, his invitation one more time to realize we're not meant to live on that religious treadmill. We're meant to live in a place of grace and acceptance and love where he wants our soul to be filled with like a bottomless cup and that everything that we pour out we only pour it out because he first poured it in right we live with his strength flowing through us each day some of us in this room need to repent and that's not a harsh word we take it as a harsh word sometimes it just means think differently. I was going this way. I was thinking this way. This is how I, I need to, wow, I was on the wrong track. I need to repent from the treadmill of religion. And say, God, I need to, I need to really know your love for me. I need to receive your love. For Some of us need healing in our hearts to be able to even receive his love. It's okay. He will, he'll do that too. Right? Receive his love. And then learn to walk with him from a place of rest. So I'm going to ask our, our ministry team to come. Prayer, prayer warriors, prayer people to come. And they're, they're prepared, trained, equipped to, to just pray with you today. If you're saying, Pastor, that's, that's me. I, I, need, I need freedom. I need to get off of that treadmill and I need to walk the Jesus walk. I need to walk the life he's called me to. And I, I encourage you to just come and receive prayer this morning. Or maybe you've got, you've got you need healing for something. We, we believe in a God of miracles. Maybe you want to give your life to Jesus today. Don't wait. 
Why, why wait another day? Is there hope in our life? So I want to pray with you, and then uh, Carrie Ann's going to just quietly lead in a, in a song. You can stick around and worship with us. You can come for prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness in our lives. God, you're so good, so faithful. We got to sing about it and declare it and talk about it today. You're so good. Thank you. And thank you that this life with you is not a burdensome life of religion, but it's a life of grace and love and freedom. God, I pray for each of us in this room, those of us maybe that need to get off the treadmill path and get on your path of life. Those of us maybe who need some healing in our lives to really actually receive your love. To really believe we're not slaves, but we're sons and daughters. Father, I pray that you would move in our lives today and in the days to come, that we would learn and grow in this together. Thank you for Sabbath rest. Thank you for a holiday tomorrow. I pray, God, your peace and your joy would fill our homes and our lives and our families as we celebrate together. We ask it in Jesus' name.